I wonder this morning what lessons you've learned from coronavirus. Have you thought about lifelong lessons that you will keep from this season? And I mean something deeper than, you know, maybe I never have to step foot in Walmart again. I haven't done it for this much time. I can keep this street going. Maybe it's deeper than not taking Cottonelle and Dos Leones for, for granted. What have you learned? Listen. Why have 100,000 born in the image of God, died in our country. And more than five, four times that in our world. God has a word to answer those questions. And, and we're going to hear that word from the plagues that we see in the book of Exodus. So I'm, I'm trying to take my, my life and my experience and what's going on in, in the world we're living in right now, and I want to understand what truth should I be believing. Now, I'm going to look to the Scriptures, and I, I think we should look to the plagues in Exodus. A plague um, refers to any, a, a range of afflictions. It, 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 it is used in Scripture to refer to the attacks of war, to various scourges, and to diseases and illnesses that God strikes people with, whether that is directly from Him or through permitting demons who make requests to Him, and He says, yes, strike them in this way. Whether this is a judgment from God for personal sin or as a part of the judgment that's still coming to us from the original sin, that it's coming from God because of Genesis 3, plagues uncover our false hopes and call us to the only true God. This is the main thing I want you to hear and the main sentence I want you to think when you think about coronavirus and what does it all mean. Plagues have a purpose in Scripture. We're going to see this explicitly. Plagues uncover our false hopes. That's what they're meant to do. I wonder if you've discovered how God is meaning to uncover false hopes that you have. And plagues call us to know the only true God. So let me be really clear in this disclaimer right now about coronavirus. Whether God directly sent coronavirus or Satan asked for permission to send coronavirus, God has approved this affliction, this illness, and He has approved all of the effects of this affliction. 
everything that our loved ones have experienced, everything that we've experienced, everything that our business has experienced, our economy, our national security, all of that is in God's hand. And so, don't waste coronavirus with even shallow and short-lived commitments or sentiments or little sentences you might say to comfort other people. Don't waste this moment with those. So I ask you as we begin, how has coronavirus affected you spiritually? What lifestyle changes are fitting Lifelong, lifestyle changes are fitting because of this affliction in God's hand. I want to look at the plagues of Exodus and learn three purposes for coronavirus that we need to understand. We need to learn, even as it feels like we may be moving out of this, Three purposes for coronavirus. Plagues prove God, provoke repentance, and provide redemption. Three purposes for plagues. They prove God. They provoke repentance. They provide redemption. Point number one is they are sent by God to prove Him. Plagues are preachers. Plagues are preachers. Listen to Exodus 6. Look there, starting in verse 5. God says to His people through Moses, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am your God. I am the only God. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. That's the plagues. Great acts of judgment. Verse 7. Listen to this. Here's point number 1. Verse 7. I will take you from Pharaoh to be my people I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the, of, of the Egyptians. You shall know that I am the Lord your God when I bring you out through the plagues. God says, did you hear it? I'm sending plagues. I'm deploying preachers. Look at chapter 7, verse 5. Listen again. The Egyptians shall know. When the plagues fall upon them, then they shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Plagues are apocalyptic. Here's another way to put it. Pain is revelatory. Pain 
is revelatory. It is meant to reveal something deep down true. If your only response to pain, and this is the response to pain that most of the world has, and many Christians have, if your only response to pain is to reach out for comfort or to run away, you miss the blessing. God uses pain for good. Let me put it in the words of one of uh, a song that I think just puts this really well. What is concealed in the heart of having is revealed in the losing of things. In other words, the heart of having, the heart that has what it wants, the heart that has what it loves, conceals certain truths, hides certain truths. And to get that, those truths and what's real to be revealed, it happens in the losing of things. Not in the having, but in the losing of things. So when suffering comes upon us that is outside of our control, like plagues, that's the extreme but there's all kinds of lesser sufferings that happen to us, what it does is it is meant to uncover who and what we are looking to for what we should only look to God for. So so listen, in Romans 1, Paul says an idol is something we exchange God for. We're looking to something else for what we should look to God for. An idol, which is what was in Egypt and why the plagues were coming. I'll show that in a second. An idol is a poser. It is a poser, God. It is anything, listen to me, you may not have a shrine in your home that people can see. But if you have people living with you, they can probably point to it. And here it is. You better you better learn this. An idol is anything or anyone who is not God, but who you honor instead of God. It's what you look to, what you value, what you depend on in the place of God. And he's not okay with that. Everyone has them. And plagues are really beneficial because posers abound. Plagues are really useful in the hand of God because posers abound. Look back in chapter 5 in verse 2. Listen to the words of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and what he says when he's called to turn the slaves over. Verse 2, Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? In other words, plagues come because people do not recognize who God is, aren't treating him for who he is is and so he sends these and here's the 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 repetition the phrase throughout exodus more than 15 times is this i am doing this so that you may know what you do not know here it is again let me just give you four more examples go to chapter 8 verse 22 listen this is what you should learn from coronavirus 8 verse 22 On that day that I send this plague, I will set apart 
the land of Goshen. He's going to send this to the fourth plague of flies. When he does this, he is going to set apart his people and he sends flies upon his enemies. He won't set it. No swarm of flies will come to my people. Listen, so that you may know who the Lord is. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I'm going to tell you who I am and I'm going to do it this way. I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. I am the only God in all the earth. Look at chapter 9, verse 14. When hail is about to fall, the plague of hail. For this time I will send all my plagues, listen, on yourself and on your servants and on your people. Why? Why do you do this? So that you may know there is none like me in all the earth. Chapter 9, verse 29. Moses says to Pharaoh, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail. Why? I send the plagues for this reason. And when I, when I pull them back, it will be for the same reason. So when coronavirus is no longer a concern, who knows when that will be. But even if right now you are starting to feel less worried about coronavirus, what should you learn? You should learn what God was meaning to teach to Egypt when he pulled the hail back. So that you may know this earth is mine, says the Lord. All of it is mine. You are mine. The hail is mine. The clouds are mine. It's all mine. One more. Chapter 11, verse 7. It's just over and over. Listen to the sermon of coronavirus. Verse 7. Not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast. Why? So that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. He has said, I'm doing this so that you know there is no one like me. In other words, you may find other gods. They're not like me. I'm doing this to show that the whole world belongs to me. I am the only true God. There is no one like me. And then we learn this other thing about who God really is in chapter 11, verse 7. He is the one who has a certain people. And if you're outside of that people, you're in trouble. God sends plagues to strip so-called gods of the masks that they're wearing, the delusions of grandeur that people give to them. Look at chapter 12, verse 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. This is, this is the night of the, the last plague, the death of the firstborn son. God says, I'm passing through and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And listen, here it is. Here's the point. I'm going to strip the gods of all the, 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 the ways that they claim to be God. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. So what God does is he demonstrates that he has power that no other, no other gods have. That is to say, they are not gods. One thing that God will not suffer is posers. Stealing his glory. Throughout Egypt, there are posers stealing the glory of God 
stealing his reputation as beautiful, stealing his regard as strong and trustworthy. There were Egyptians who were looking to a river goddess because they thought she gave them food. They were looking to a frog goddess because they thought that she gave them children. They were looking to the sun in the sky for light and for life. And all of that belongs to God. So he sends the plagues to destroy all their gods. God's primary concern is his own glory. And if you're still ignoring him, if he is still not supreme despite coronavirus, then learn from the sermon. He is determined to be known as the Lord, the only powerful God. And he's to be no, he, he means to be known by all of his people and all of his enemies. He, he sends these things to wake up the world who does not acknowledge him the world that lives with little to no consideration of him who placed their hopes in other powers or, or its pleasures or its, its other purposes. And he vindicates his name as the only God to those people when he takes all the power away from what we've been leaning on. And he's doing this to persuade his own people who do know him but who need to grow in fully knowing that there is no one like him. So flip all the way past the, the plagues into chapter 18. Chapter 18. Listen to what Jethro professes. Exodus 18, verse 10. After the plagues are gone, he says... Blessed be the Lord. He's delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians, out of the hands of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people out of the hands of the Egyptians. Listen, now I know. This is what taught me that the Lord is greater than all the gods because he did this through the plagues. Because in this affair, they were dealing arrogantly. And Jethro, Moses' father, notice what it leads him to do. Because he now knows the Lord, what does he do? He offers burnt offerings and sacrifices to God. In other words, glory. If God is glorious as the only God, what He's worthy of is worship. And friends, listen. We are not different from Egypt. America is not different from Egypt. Graham is not different. Because our hearts are sick with the same sickness that, that their hearts were. And we need to learn the same truths. Every positive test report for coronavirus. Every time you see a mask on someone's face at United. Every time you come into our front door and you get a squirt of sanitizer in your hand. Every time you're walking around at the park or wherever and you see someone coming and then you move to the side. All of those are points of a sermon that are calling you and me to wake up to the true God. Do not forget and do talk about, tell others about the ways that God has shown in this season 
the specific ways that he has shown that he alone is God by doing things that he alone can do. How he provided for you. After he removed the posers that you relied upon, how he comforted you after isolating you from comfort. One of the most important purposes of coronavirus is to make you and me listen. Plagues are preachers. And they are saying there is God, there is a God, and there's only one. Do you know him? Plagues uncover our false hopes and call us to know the only true God. Point number two, plagues provoke repentance. God has sent plagues to provoke us to repent. Coronavirus is meant to provoke you and me to repent. Not like Pharaoh repented. Not like Pharaoh. So go back to chapter 9 and see what many people many people would call repentance, and it is not repentance. Chapter 9, verse 27. Listen to an apology that is better than maybe most of your apologies that you make. Exodus 9, verse 27. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, Listen, listen to this. This time I have sinned. He actually calls what he did sin. That's more than most people do when they apologize. This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right. A lot of times when people are making apologies, they're not even saying anything about God. They're just talking about people. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go. I promise to turn away from my sin. And you shall stay no longer. But then, look in chapter 10, and hear something very similar. Verse 17. Again, now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God, only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh, pled with the Lord, and the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, and drove the locusts out of Egypt. Not a single locust is left. God does what Pharaoh asks and prays for. Verse 20. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. That's not repentance. The world says sorry. The whole world. Don't ever just be persuaded by a sorry. The world can say sorry. God's people repent. Look, verbal confession is essential to repentance, but it isn't necessarily reflective of repentance. I mean, internal heart repentance. This is repentance. It's turning from specific attitudes and actions of rebellion against God and turning to God in attitudes and actions that are consistent with believing that he alone is God. And Pharaoh never did that. And so the plagues kept coming. They kept coming. Plagues punish the unrepentant. If you will not 
turn away from placing your hope in anything or anyone other than God, you will be punished by God. So, we should repent of the false hopes that coronavirus has revealed. I hope that's the first step is that they have been revealed. God is using coronavirus to uncover misplaced hopes. What he does is he upends our security blankets. He he takes away what made us feel secure so that he can show that he alone is God and has that power. So he takes away our money. So he takes the the great country of the of the world and, and shows that capitalism cannot save us. It's not just a matter of wanting to work harder than, than other people. And, and, he, and he takes away the comforts that we enjoy in this first world superpower so that we don't even have toilet paper. And we show up if we're brave enough to go to the grocery store and all the water's gone. And you can only have two pieces of meat. He uses it to uncover where we have misplaced our hope. I hope you've seen it. I saw it. When all of this was going down, and I, I, I confess, my fears came to the surface. I was afraid... Will this church survive? I don't mean the church. Christ has promised the church is going to survive. I mean this church. Or if we do survive, what's going to be proven about us? Will our members be faithful? How healthy is this church really? This is what I'm afraid of. Will we mutually care for one another? Will there be unity or just criticism, bitterness, and unforgiveness? Will we be marked by forgiving one another and serving one another and sacrificially loving one another? All those fears came right to the surface. So the title of this sermon is COVID-19 as a Preacher. Have you listened to the sermon. First Thessalonians 1 says, the proof that you are loved by God, the proof that you are chosen by God is that you turned away from idols. And listen, you cannot repent of what has not been revealed. So maybe you weren't thinking on this level throughout this, throughout this season. But I, I have these texts in mind throughout the season, and so it, it became useful to me. Let me give you two hints for how you can look for idols in your heart. First of all, watch your emotions. Watch your emotions. Let me give you an illustration from the Lord of the Rings. That seems very appropriate to me. Smeagol, otherwise known as Gollum. What happens if you try to steal Smeagol's 
fish. He, he's nasty. He may curse you, but listen to me. If you try to take Gollum's ring, he'll kill you. There's a difference in his emotional response depending on what you reach for that's his. The greater, watch your emotions. I mean every day, any moment of any day, the greater the emotion, the more precious the idol. And here's the way that idols work. You think you've got a hold of it, but it's got you in its grips. Number two, this is a way that you can identify the idols in your heart. You better do it because you need to repent of them. Watch your worries and your wants. Watch your emotion and watch your worries and your wants. So hardship comes to, into your life to cut through all the disguises that you put on for other people. All the ways that you're deceived. Affliction comes and it shows the insecurities. What insecurities? Have you made note? What insecurities have surfaced since coronavirus hit? Here's another way to ask it. What, what is it that causes you to covet? That, that makes you want something so strongly? Or, or makes you discontent, makes you realize you don't have enough. Or it's something that grips you, that you're not controlling. When you are gripped by worry, and no matter how hard you try, you just keep on worrying. Whenever you're gripped by want, you want something so bad, the Bible says in James 4, in that moment, what that's revealing about you is you are trusting yourself and not God, and you are not waiting upon Him because you are your own God. So what happened? What, what was, what's the kind of stereotype that even CNN will tell you about with coronavirus? When it hit, the whole world seemed to want the security that they did not have anymore. They wanted comfort that they no longer had in order to get security. Their God is their stomach. How has coronavirus affected you? It may be that what you've gained is the COVID-15. Sexual immorality. Use of porn shot up. A desire for comfort because they don't feel secure. So, here it is. Watch, and outside of coronavirus, when it leaves, you, you keep doing this. You watch the spikes and the dips of your emotions. And you even minister to others. When you, if you love someone you, and you see them spike or dip, ask them a question. What do you want right now? What is it you're afraid of right now? Tell me. What's it, what are you afraid of? Don't miss this. We look for intense emotions that are flowing from, they always flow from wants and worries. We are called to repent. God is provoking us to repent, but not like Pharaoh. He's calling us to repent like David. Listen to what it says of David. When he faced a plague, after 
taking that census in Israel, it says at the end of 2 Samuel 24, David built an altar. And he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So, because of that, the Lord responded to his prayer and the plague was lifted. He built an offering to the Lord and prayed and then the plague was lifted. Listen, a key ingredient of repentance is a return to worship. If God is a great God, the only God, then He is worthy of your entire life's devotion. He's worthy of your entire heart's trust. That's why as a church, look, as soon as we were able to do it carefully, as soon as we were able to do it responsibly, we wanted to gather as the people of God immediately. It's not the same. When God's people come together, And listen to God's word together. We are worshiping in a unique way. What guarded Israel from what Egypt experienced, what separated the two was the word. So, if you're going to be provoked to repentance by this and establish lifelong habits, you should rush to the assembly to hear the truths that will feed your trust. And you hear, this is the God I should trust. It is not the best practices of the medical profession that I should trust to protect me and secure me. It's not a president who's good for the economy that I should trust to protect me. Christ is my life. What loosens the grip of idols is beholding glory. And we see glory with our ears. Beloved, plagues uncover our false, misplaced hopes and call us to know the only true God. Third and finally, plagues provide redemption. Plagues provide redemption. Listen, Israel needed redemption. I'm not just talking about Egypt here when the plagues fell. Because the scariest reality for Israel is that they were sinners too, facing this kind of God. And the scariest reality for you and me is that we've rebelled against this kind of God who holds things like viruses that can wipe out the world. And that's not the worst he holds. He cannot be beaten. And Pharaoh is the example of that. Pharaoh, when the heir to his throne was killed by God in the last plague, and he released the slaves to go to God to worship, he immediately regretted that repentance. And he went back on it, and he chased God's people, backed them into the Red Sea, And Pharaoh and his delta force were crushed by God. The most urgent thing that we are to repent from is not acknowledging God as God and not turning from our disobedience. 
cannot be beaten. And the good news is that the plagues point us to this redemption. After afflicting the firstborn son of Pharaoh and saving his people through that, when God sent his son into the world, he sent him to a cross where the ninth plague of darkness fell on him for three hours in the middle of the day. And where the tenth plague that actually delivers the people of God through the blood of the lamb, that lamb, his son, hanged on a cross And this time it wasn't Pharaoh's heir. It was God's heir. His firstborn and only begotten. So that when he was raised from the dead, Paul looks back on what Jesus accomplished and he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your plague? The word sting in 1 Corinthians 15 is substituted for the word in the prophets. O death, where is your plague? Where is your plague? Is, is it coming for you still? Or is it on the cross of Christ? Beloved, the good news is all of our dangers are seen to be light and momentary in, t- in comparison to the danger of facing God and His wrath for our sin. And if you are a Christian, that plague has been taken forever by Christ on the cross. And if you're not a Christian, if you would not face that, you can turn from your sins right now and trust in Christ alone to save you. And His blood will cover you. Plagues uncover our false hopes and call us to know the only true God. Let's pray to Him. Oh God, we pray that You would cause us to believe the truth that You are preaching to us through coronavirus. We pray that we would be able by Your Spirit to see the idols You are calling each and every one of us, the misplaced hopes You're calling each and every one of us to turn away from, and that we would turn to You in faith, in Christ alone. We thank You that Your Son was not spared. We thank You that He was willing to bear all of our guilt on the cross and that He has conquered, and that we can conquer death through Him. We pray all this in Jesus' name.